Welcome to the Ditching Perfection podcast, a podcast that will help you pursue wholeness in Jesus rather than trying to have it all together. I'm your host, Carly Bartlett, and along the way, we're going to have some raw conversations and share some practical tips that will remind you to throw some confetti and celebrate yourself. Your inner critic does not have to be the dominant voice in your life anymore. Well, hey, friends, before we dive into today's conversation, I have to tell you about our new series that kicks off next week. It's called Pantone Portraits, a guide to the vibrant array of ways to connect with God. See, I think we're like Pantone colors. We're diverse in the ways that God has wired us, and therefore we're unique in the ways that we connect with God. And so, you know, if you're feeling stuck or in a rut or if you're not sure how to connect with God right now, I believe that these conversations will help you see that God wants to meet you right where you are in ways that are unique and personal to you. But today, Ryan and Ashley Gage are back on the podcast. And if you didn't hear part one of our conversation, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to that. It is episode 45. I am so grateful for Ryan and Ashley. They are friends of ours who we are in community with. We attend church together. And I'm so thankful for the ways that they have graciously led and had these conversations with with me and with our community about racial reconciliation. And friends, I want you to know that I am on this journey with you. I, I have a lot to learn about the centuries and centuries of racial injustice and the racial injustice that continues today. But I'll tell you what, I am committed to do whatever I can to be a part of the ministry of reconciliation that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 5. Like Ashley said in our last conversation in episode 45, the work of reconciliation is messy and it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. But I'll tell you what, I've got my sneakers on and I'm ready to run for the long haul. But I'll tell you, too, I am so encouraged because I think this marathon is being flooded by people like you who are linking arms and running together to see restoration, healing, and reconciliation happen in our specific communities and around the world. Today, we're going to jump back into the conversation with Ryan and Ashley. And last time we were chatting, they were sharing some of their personal stories and experiences. And so today we're going to dive right back into the middle of the conversation and talk about what it looks like for us to really see each other. So you mentioned people taking the steps to and being intentional to really see you. What is that? What does that look like? Like how can friends in your life, what does that mean if they're able to really see you? What do you mean? I think sometimes it can be easy for, well, I'll, I can speak for myself and yeah. I, I think I speak for Ashley too. Um, in a lot of ways, it has been really easy for us to assimilate to majority culture. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that means is, is that, Sometimes it has been easy for us to fit into those spaces um, and not, you know, rock the boat. We've been able to kind of speak the same language, if you will. We've been able to kind of function and operate uh, in in this space. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes while we have denied maybe a portion of who we are, for example, um, I used to keep my hair really short. Mm. really like no hair, right? Like mm-hmm. purposely. 
Um, and one time, I, I think it was, I mean, not because of the pandemic, but also during the pandemic, I decided, no, I'm letting my hair grow out again, right? Yeah. Um, I think the last time I had it this long was when we got married, I think. Maybe it was a little bit shorter, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but but part of it was um, somewhere along the way, I had developed this idea in my mind that in order to function in ministry and in order to function um, as a good minister in these spaces, I had to look a certain way and I had mm. to talk a certain way and I had to know um, all of you know these certain songs and not these songs. And okay. what I've learned and as I've grown uh, not only as a minister is that, you know, one, I can't <laughs> – uh, as a worship pastor, I can't pigeonhole God into one form of music, right? Um, two, I can't pigeonhole God in the preference of music that I desire. And so if I know those two things to be true, then why not then engage the congregation to see a broader, diverse um, form of worship, right? And so, yeah. you know, that's that's been my desire, you know, ever since. And, you mm-hmm. know, that's why we did, you know, Spanish songs. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you know, and aside to that. You know, we understand that here in Nampa, you know, there there aren't too many black families or African-American families. And so the reason why we were doing, you know, Spanish music, um, or Latin music, um, is because we understand that that is a large part of our population. Right. right. And so if the church wants to be this open door for our community, right, like we're going to have to do this work collectively as mm-hmm. a body, not just individually. Yeah. And what does that look like? That it looks like infusing some of this in our forms of worship and in our practices as a community as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think it goes back to the idea um, and the term colorblindness. I think mm-hmm. it's so easy for us to, to think that that is the goal um, you know, I don't see color. I just love everyone, mm-hmm. which is wonderful, except when you are coming from that perspective as somebody of majority culture, what it says to everybody who is not in that majority culture is you are asking me to lessen things that are distinguishable about me, distinguishable about me yeah. um, to make you more comfortable mm. or make this group more comfortable. Yeah. Um, that color blindness for me, you know, kind of, I know Ryan mentioned hair too, was definitely part of, of my journey as well. Like, I mean, if you were to look before entering <laughs> Nampa, like I, my hair was very straight. I did chemical relaxers, you know, all this kind mm. of stuff. I had been um, kind of conditioned to think that um, my hair in its natural state was not, good. Mm. Um, it was not, you know, what it should be to be, um, acceptable or not professional, not oh, professional man. looking. Right. Yeah. And so kind of releasing that and, um, embracing, um, who God had created me to be, um, yeah, <laughs> for the sure. curls on my head, to, yeah. you know, all of that, um, was part of that journey. But I think the biggest thing specifically here in, um, the treasure Valley for us feeling seen, um, is finding spaces, um, that we can can see representation. Yeah, right. We are involved in a parent group um, called Brown Like Me, mm-hmm. um, where once a month our children can come um, together with um, other children who look like them, and they go through different you know themes each month to help them um, capture their their culture and their heritage, and it's just a, a beautiful. Um, 
um, way that we are able to to serve our community, you know, mm-hmm. as um, people of color, but also see um, so many families of adoption, um, so many um, families who are are striving to try to do the best that they can to come together um, and learn more about um, their their adopted child's culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, though those are spaces where um, we have been able to feel, I feel like, seen. Right. Um, yeah, in our local church, I think um, the journey of of openness and willingness that our local church has been able to take alongside us, um, the humility um, that we have seen our brothers and sisters um, enter conversations with, as we have also, uh, you know, entered those conversations with humility, but mm-hmm. you know, um, and knowing that they're going to be messy, but you know, um, being able to say, "Hey, I noticed that." There, you guys are talking about Juneteenth. What is that? What yeah. does that mean? What does that mean to you? What What do you do? Um, mm-hmm. And being able to, you know, see local events and invite our friends, um, you know, all of our friends, no matter what, to join into those kinds of celebrations. Kwanzaa, you know, things that are, um, are you know, ab- in the black community, something that is known, but inviting our brothers and sisters, our white brothers and sisters and bridge builders to, to join into that yeah. and seeing them be intentional about, hey, this is something that is important to people that I am in relationship with, and therefore I would like to learn more or participate yeah. in that. I think that that is um, a huge step um, mm-hmm. into being seen. Um, you know, Latasha Morrison in her book, Be the Bridge, I yeah. think she, she uses the phrase um, to be color brave, to be color caring and color honoring mm. um, as opposed to being colorblind. And I think that those things are the ways that we um, that we see each other well mm-hmm. um, to recognize where um, our culture um, has uniquely um, given us a, a lens that can amplify uh, the body of Christ as mm-hmm. opposed to use it to divide us. So Right. Yeah. 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 Thanks for sharing all of that. Yeah. I feel like I learned so much from you guys every time. I know I do. And just grateful for your vulnerability because we need to hear those kind of stories to, to better understand and then to better come alongside and be friends and allies and link arms together. And yeah, the book that you mentioned by Latasha Morrison um, was really, really helpful for me. So if people are are listening and going, okay, I have things to learn, that is a book that was really, really eye-opening and formative for me. Do you have other resources and books that you would say, okay, grab if you you need to learn and this is a great place to start? What would you say? I mean, aside aside from the book, Be the Bridge um, mm-hmm. by Latasha, um, there's a whole online community um, and I think it's based out of a Facebook group. I know there might be people who don't appreciate social media, but um, the the resourcing in that Facebook group is absolutely amazing. Okay. Right. Through like 11 modules um, with just different aspects of um, cultural competency mm-hmm. um, from all different lenses. I mean, we're talking from um, – the scientific way that we carry implicit bias um, Mm. to the historical lens of uh, redlining and, you know, just breaking down terms that we might have heard but don't necessarily understand. And um, I feel like that – that encompasses so much of the journey of learning that that you can go on in this, um, you know, when we're talking about racial reconciliation in light of the gospel. There's just so much to unpack in, in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, but she also has um, 
different modules for transracial adoptive families mm. to navigate those journeys. There is university curriculum. Oh, that's um, great. There are um, the curriculum for um, white bridge builders specifically because mm-hmm. um, coming into spaces um, where it is a diverse population, you have different voices and to be able to um, enter that space um, from a, a, you know, a white perspective is different than entering it from um, a person of color's perspective. And so yeah. there is language to help bring that, bring those, that learning together as well. So I, I, I cannot say enough about the Be The Bridge, um, just organization in general. I think that's that does a so great good. Job. Yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. know about the online resources. That's great. Yeah, okay. That's wonderful. Good. That's really yeah. Good. Any others, Ryan, that you can think of? Um, I'm a fan of, uh, Dante Stewart. Um, uh, he wrote a book called, I think, Shouting, Shouting in the Fire, mm-hmm. an American Epistle. It's a really, uh, profound book. Uh, I read part of it and had to stop because I needed to collect myself. Okay. Um, but it's, but it's really deep and really thoughtful. And again, you know, this conversation about, um, where, where does the church go in this conversation of how we, yeah. you know, how we handle reconciliation, how we work to be agents to dismantle racism. Um, he's great. Um, Jamar, uh, Tisby. Jamar Tisby. Okay. We did mm-hmm. that study, yeah. the color of compromise, mm-hmm. um, which was a really great, you know, historical book, um, that talks, that helps people understand truly kind of the history of, of racism, right? The history of, of slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's, he is just a thoughtful historian. Um, and he also did another book. I just forgot the name of the title, but um, both of them are really good. And I think, again, are great educational pieces to help people continue in their, their learning mm-hmm. and their understanding as well. Great. Yeah. I think one of the things that I've been processing too, and we were talking about this a little bit before we hit record, but realizing that like this is each of our responsibility individually mm-hmm. um, to be on the journey. And so for for me going, okay, Ryan and Ashley are not my like built-in teachers. Like I need to, yes, listen well and learn and glean from you and see you as we've talked about, but then also be responsible to do my do my own research and reading and study and really self-examine as well and ask the Holy Spirit to help me with that. And so, um, yeah, I just, I'm thankful that you point out the resources, but just want to also point out for my own journey and for listeners to go, okay, now we get to take steps to, right. to continue to learn and be aware. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, thank yeah. you. Yeah. And, and, you know, Ryan and I always, always enter these conversations, um, with it being fairly clear, right? Like, you know, we are not speaking for the entirety yeah. of the black community. Yeah. Um, everyone comes at this in a, a very different yeah. way, right? Right. Um, but the goal, you know, for us, I think, as you know, we like the term building bridges, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we come together by walking the journey yeah. towards each other, right? And mm-hmm. so everyone, there's not one one race, there's not one ethnicity, there's not a person who um is exempt from the work, yeah, <laughs> right? It's so right. true. Um, as people of God, we are called to um, see the image of God um, mm-hmm. in everyone that we come across. And so um, in that, we have to do the work to understand and try to um, open our lens to a new perspective um, so we can see fully the image of Christ in our brothers and sisters mm-hmm. of all races and ethnicities. So, right. um, yeah, the work is is not one-sided um, mm. to build bridges. Yeah, right. Well, thanks for saying that. Yeah. 
you guys have been such gracious leaders um, in our community. And just thinking about the last, like you said, three years where we saw a lot of um, this this heartache and this, you know, the just unfair treatment and terrible things happen on the news. Um, and I'm sure that this then opened the eyes of many people in in your sphere of influence with friends and, and family. And uh, what was that experience like for you guys? Did it feel challenging sometimes to be the 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 people that everyone was coming to with these questions? Um, did, how do you navigate that with not uh, feeling like there's a lot of pressure? Or maybe does it feel like there's pressure sometimes? I think maybe there's a little bit of pressure, but also we understand and know um, that that this is where God is calling us right? yeah. in, in yeah. this season. And so we know and believe that God is continuing to prepare us. Um, yeah. Has it? Have there been difficult moments? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, have there been hard conversations with friends that we were friends with for years? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, have some of those friendships been lost? Sadly, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, and and yet, um, God has continued to to uplift. Yeah. Um, God has been able to, you know soften hearts. And, you know, we also know too, that we can only go so far, right? Like we can only say so much and we can only encourage people so far, right? Right. You know, people have to be willing to, to lean in and and do the work. And like Ashley always says, you know, always coming at this from, from the spirit of humility, right? Yeah. And all of us come to that table with the spirit of humility and it looks different for everybody, Mm -hmm. but, uh, th- that intentionality, that spirit of humility should be consistent across the board. Um, yeah. So sure. There have been, have been difficult moments and there have been some hard steps and hard conversations, but we, we, we know, and we trust that this is what God, God has called us into mm. in this time. And and even still, there's still the season of continued preparation as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's there's also a realization for for people of color, for people in the black community that um no matter when we want to unplug um like you can't mm-hmm. <laughs> um or or it's harder, right? Yeah. Um we have learned how to I think um pace ourselves mm-hmm. and our energy in a way that it um is not so draining at times. Okay. Um but, you know, I mean, this is who God created us to be, right? Yeah. Like, uh, we will always um, have the skin tone that we have. <laughs> we will always be, um, you know, people of color. And so yeah. um, it's not it's not a conversation that we will ever just be able to say, sure, I'll pass, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it affects us personally. It affects us as a family. It affects our, yeah. our spiritual life. I mean, everything, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so it has been, it is definitely for, I think, for me, I think it's been just that that understanding of being very discerning um, to where God is leading and guiding and what doors um, are open that we go through with God's guidance and um, what doors maybe maybe are open but we need to close. Um, mm, you know, what what are yeah. you know, just being um being discerning about um where we feel God is guiding us to speak into and where maybe we do need to pass. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So thinking about all of that um, 
Annie Downs is one of my favorite podcasters, and she always asks this question that I think is so good. What have you learned about God in the last three years that is new, fresh, that maybe you didn't necessarily know before? Um, we sing this song. We introduced it. Um, it's called Same God. Yes, I love um, it. And the, the reality that God's sameness matters, mm-hmm. right? The world shifts and changes and looks differently, right? But the constant is God, mm-hmm. right? Like he, he has not changed. Um, he has seen all of this, and yet he continues to be faithful. He continues to provide. He continues to reveal um, in unique and different and powerful ways. And I was thinking, you know, the other day, um, you know, we uh, when we come to know Christ and we come to know God, there is this immediate openness and trust and this excitement um, that he's you know, he has changed us in the now. And then sometimes we lose that wonder or we forget to continue to trust God, you know, in the future and and down the road. So, you know, I think the past few years have shown me that, you know, yeah, there was this pandemic and it stopped everybody in our tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, there was, there was, adequate and appropriate time to lament and grieve what was lost. But even in that, we discovered forms of unity, Mm -hmm. um, how that lament kind of binded us together as as people and as faith communities as well. And again, I think that goes back to God's sameness and how he reveals, you know, how he can take something like a pandemic that causes us to stop to reveal – He's still here, that he's still present. He can still do and move mm-hmm. and ride and, and give hope, right? Yeah. And so it, that's, yeah, his sameness matters. His, mm-hmm. you know, he is always going to be there. Yeah. Um, even when we feel like we're, we're stuck and we're mired down, mm-hmm. yeah, God is still God. God is still there. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah, Ashley, what about you? What have you learned about God in the last three years you didn't know before? Right. I think— there's a lot, <laughs> um, but two words kind of came to mind immediately. Um, our God is a God of peace, yeah, and our God is a God of rest. And mm. I think specifically over the last three years, um, when there has been so much of a feeling of of um, out of controlness, <laughs> yeah, of chaos, yeah, um, of unrest, um, knowing you know that the same God. Um, who gave us a son who calms storms and, um, you know, provides a peace beyond understanding is, is a God that I can rest in as well, right? You know, the God of peace um, is unchangeable. And then mm-hmm. being able to find rest in the midst of the chaos can always feel um, beyond reach. And yeah. I think um, the last three years have— um, taught me, uh, I don't know, just kind of a new theology of rest mm. and realizing that that is um, something that is God-honoring and yeah. something that, that God wants of us yeah. um, is to find a spirit of rest mm-hmm. um, in those moments. So so what does that yeah. look like for you day-to-day, week-to-week, especially <laughs> now that the world is not shut down and you right. are you know working and you've got kids and right. it's a busy time? What does it look like for you to embody mm-hmm. that invitation to rest? I think coming out of, 
you know, the time that we were shut down back into the the normal kind of schedule and routine, um, it helped me, I think it helped us both, um, to be able to be um, more at peace with saying no mm-hmm. um, and embracing the the magnitude of a yes. Um, mm, so looking holistically at what our participation would look like in certain things that we were saying yes to um, and even giving those yeses um, healthy boundaries. Yeah. Um, and that's something that we will continue to learn. Um, I know over the past year I had a job transition mm-hmm. and, and learning a new rhythm and how that you know, works in our family dynamic and things of that nature. And um, there there was a moment, um, uh, probably three or four months in, that I told Ryan, I said, I am going on a um, a journey of farewells. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm saying farewell to things that are um, not life-giving, that are non-essential, that I just do not feel like um, deserve that full participation of a yes. And, yeah. you know, some of that was hard because it was things that I enjoyed doing um, with people that I enjoyed doing it with. Um, but it was just a season that I really felt like that balance was becoming unhinged mm, <laughs> and I needed yeah. to find that that rest. And so um, continually kind of looking and making sure and praying over opportunities and schedules and, and, um, you know, coming together as a couple, but then also as a family and and saying, okay, um, what does this look like? What is a a participation, you know, when we say yes to this, what does that mean for Mm -hmm. us? So what do we say no to? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And Ryan, you were saying that you're on vacation right now. So thanks for being here, (laughs) but vacation, like you, you said, it's been a while since you took a vacation that felt like a vacation and not some other area that you're serving or leading. Right. So talk to us about even like what it's like to be on vacation right now. You said it's actually kind of hard. Yeah. Listen, it, it really is. And you know, my wife has learned this art of Sabbath a lot faster than (laughs) I did. Um, And part of that is that I'm hard headed. And part of that too was, was that I was not asking myself the same question of if I'm saying yes to this, then what do I need to say no to? Right. And so, you know, if I, you know, I'm sure I can be honest on this podcast. Oh, yeah. You know, know, the the fall semester was really difficult because Mm -hmm. I said yes a lot and didn't say no enough. Yeah. And so um, that that hurt physically. And so uh, I found myself at the beginning of the year saying, hey, uh, I'm going to take time off. Actually, I heard that voice. That voice was my wife. Um, (laughs) And. You know, so like I legitimately looked at it and I and then when I went back and started looking, I realized, oh, there hasn't been a legitimate vacation where I wasn't thinking about work, where I wasn't thinking about creating, you know, this next thing or whatever the case might be. Any time that I was away from my ministry here in Nampa, it was to go and do ministry elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And sure, there were some nice locations and sure there were like small windows to kind of catch your breath. Yeah. But was it true Sabbath, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, <laughs> what I'm quickly discovering is that, you know, in order to be, you know, continue to fulfill my calling into ministry, I have to be as holistic as possible. And it yeah. really does mean understanding what it means to rest. So when I said it's hard, listen, like this is day five Mm -hmm. and 
like the first four days, like it took all within me to not open my laptop to check email. Like that's, mm. that's how hard it has been. And I think part of it too was, you know, when we had shut down in the pandemic and everything went remote, yeah. you know, we were able to just kind of pack up everything from the church and take it home. And then, you know, we were kind of tasked with kind of helping our church figure out how we were going to do all of this online. And so it was just kind of this continual cycle of doing and that seeped into working from home and how yeah. that habit even continued once everything was opened back up. And so, you know, I, I didn't tell you this, but like last <laughs> night I couldn't sleep. And so I like, I made this list of how am I going to make this different when I go back? Right? Like, mm. What kind of boundaries uh, do I need to set forth in order to be fully present? Mm-hmm. I think that was the other thing I struggled with in the fall was being fully present in all the things because I, I wasn't right because I had given so much energy and was, you know, juggling all these different things. And though I was there physically, I wasn't there. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and that was hard, especially when it came to, you know, participating in some of the things with our kids, like I wanted to be there and support them and, and encourage them like any parent wants to. But I, I acknowledge that there was a moment where I am just sitting here in this concert. Like what, what is happening? Mm. Right. Like I just mm-hmm. wasn't there physically. So yeah. yeah. So um, it's been, it's been difficult, but good. Right. Yeah. You know? um, so I'm, I'm figuring this all out and mm-hmm. it's, it's great and yeah yeah pray for me oh it's hard I mean you know I think on the surface we see Sabbath like oh that's so nice like don't work and rest and take a nap and don't set your alarm or whatever but it's called a spiritual discipline I think for a reason because it like takes discipline to unplug it takes discipline to like let go of the things and trust that God is going to take care of it and trust that other people are going to take care of it. But even if they don't, like the world's not going to stop. Right. But we're just, our culture has like put us in this hamster wheel. And I think you're right with the pandemic, like that just perpetuated it because all of a sudden we didn't have these work home boundaries mm-hmm. like we had had before. But now it was just this blurry mess of like work right. whenever. Right. And so to try to come back to some healthy habits and boundaries with our time is a discipline. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always feel like la la land and fun, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think just realizing too how how conditioned we are to perform. Yeah. Um and I can say that, you know, being a musician, right? Like this constant preparation to be ready to perform for the next thing. Mm-hmm. To be right. And you know, going back to, you know, the purpose of your podcast, yeah. perfection. Um, you know, the the beauty about performing, you know, is that, well, you know, we want it to be the best we can possibly be. And I think early on as a younger musician, in my mind, that meant perfection. That meant nailing every note, yeah, every lyric, every dance when I was in a musical or whatever the case might be. It wasn't the best you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so, you know, trying to even unwire myself from that. And I think obviously my, my calling in ministry helped in that because I wasn't, I, I don't know if you knew this. I was not, I was a music ed major and a performance major in college. Okay. So I wasn't yeah. called in the ministry until my last semester. Oh. So even my schooling was conditioned for perfection, right? Yeah. So when I entered into ministry, uh, ministry helped me learn real quick like <laughs> you kind of have to dismantle, you know, these ideas of, you know, perfect choirs and perfect right. choir, like whatever. Yeah. Because you're going to have a group of people who want to praise the Lord, but 
you know, 10 of them can read music and 10 of them yeah. can kind of sing the melody, right? And yeah, so right. What do you do with that? And how do you encourage that? And how do you come alongside those people? And so, I, you know, I'm thankful for how God called me and where he has called me and how that actually helped in my my dismantling of that perfectionism yeah, a little bit. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. Ashley, what has been your relationship with perfectionism? Oh, goodness. Um, I'm the oldest child in the family, so I think that there's <laughs> mm-hmm. a little bit of that just innately. Oh, yeah. I'm oldest order. child, too, so I yeah. get that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as Ryan and I were talking, I think that there is specifically for um, people of color in majority culture um, settings – there is an expectation, just like Ryan said, to perform, but also, you know, to be kind of the best around the table, right? Like right. you feel there's a sense of feeling like you have to bring twice as much to the table. So mm. that sense of perfectionism um, to kind of validate your presence in the room. Mm. Um, and so I think for for me, um, ditching that idea that, I have to validate um, my humanity in spaces um, yeah. is, is the way that I have of seen ditching perfectionism um, and realizing that um, I am who I am um, mm-hmm. in, in Christ, um, uniquely, um, you know, wonderfully and uniquely made. And, um, you know, the way that God has um, continues to prepare me. Um, for the path is is all I need, right? Like yeah. I don't I don't feel like I have to um again kind of just validate my humanity in those spaces anymore. I can just kind of relax and be who God created me to be. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Um, what was your call to ministry story like? Right. Because so, you were studying physical therapy, is that what yeah, you said? Well, or athletic, athletic training. training? Okay. So, mm-hmm. um, so it kind of is <laughs> an interesting um, later call in life. Um, so we, I graduated from um, Southern Nazarene with a bachelor's in athletic training and thought that I would go um, and be an athletic trainer at a high school or small, you know, college, kind of that, that I have a love of sports and a love of helping people. So I figured that those two would kind of come together. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and they did. I, I worked in that field um, a little bit right after graduation. Um, and Ryan, you know, as he mentioned, we were engaged and um, God shifted his call in life um, to vocational ministry. Um, And so it set our trajectory just on to a new path. And I had been raised a pastor's kid. Mm -hmm. um, So I knew this world that we were stepping into. um, And so I I kind of felt like part of my calling would be to um, be a very... um, all-in pastoral spouse um, okay. and find mm-hmm. ways to serve um, alongside my husband in our church settings the best way that I knew um, I could. And so, um, and then quickly kind of in that, um, we had children. And so um, I was doing that as a stay-at-home mom, um, invested in different women's ministry opportunities alongside worship ministries, just things of that nature. Um but always kind of had this um, wrestling in my heart um, to be able to just be open to how God was leading and guiding um, whatever that could look like. Yeah. And so you kind of, you know, flash forward a few years. Um, we moved here to Nampa in 2016. 16. Yes. Okay. And um, I had an opportunity to step back into um, 
into the working world part-time at our church, and then that quickly became full-time. Um, but one of the neat doors that God opened up was for Ryan and I to be a part of um, a conference for high school juniors and seniors um, who are navigating and trying to discover their call um, to vocational ministry. Um, and mission work and things of that nature. And so I was there working um, with the college students who were the RAs for the high school students that we Mm -hmm. were working with. And we went for a year and planned and and did the great things. And then we came back for another summer and we were doing the actual conference. And it was one of those moments that everything um, just kind of divinely fell into place And I was at the altar um, praying with a few of our students, and I'm not not necessarily one that can tangibly point to a lot of times that I could say that I heard just the voice of God. Um, But this time specifically, um, it was God was saying, (laughs) Ashley, you have empowered and encouraged and helped these students um, to hear me as I am asking them to step out in faith and answer this call. Um, And now it's your turn. Mm, And in that moment, um, you know, you immediately kind of want to say, I I immediately wanted to say, um, I'm a mom of four kids. Um, Mm -hmm. I already have a degree. Like, what what does this mean? You know, why me? Um, But there was a sense of peace as I left that altar space um, that, God was faithful and was going to meet me in that every step. And I'll never forget, we were driving back from Kansas to Idaho. Oh, wow. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of time, especially through Wyoming, that you're able to oh, reflect. Yes. Uh-huh. yes. <laughs> and so I just, I said it out loud because I'd kind of kept it to myself, my experience at the altar. I said it out loud. I said, Ryan, like, I really think God is calling me to step into ministry. Mm-hmm. And what did you say? I don't remember. I think I said, it's about time. Right? Yes, like, he did. Mm-hmm. He said, it's about time. Yeah. Um, he had seen um, in me, you know, something that I wasn't necessarily even ready to see in myself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even the steps preparing that. So um, I came back and had a conversation with um, my local pastor who, again, kind of said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I... We see these, you know, the way that God is, has moved in your life and how you participate here. And so it was just another affirmation yeah. that um, this was where God was calling and guiding. And I um, have been overwhelmingly um, blessed since stepping into my call to see how God has um, met me in my moments of doubt, met me in my questioning, um, Met me in my seasons of feeling like an imposter, mm. <laughs> like why me, right? Because yeah. we play those, um, and and continually um, validated yeah. and affirmed um, that I am just stepping into the center of His will, right? Mm. Just, just continuing to to answer that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah. it's never too late um, yes. to be open to a movement of God in your life, mm-hmm. and I think that right. that was very very evident to me. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I had never heard that story before. That's awesome. Oh, love it. Well, with some of those things in mind, one of the things that we love to do on the podcast is just celebrate ourselves because so often we can be 
self-critical, right? Or, or think of the, the, the things we wish we would have done differently or the negatives or the areas that we need to grow. And while we need to be aware of those, there needs to be a healthy balance. And so a discipline that I've been trying to really foster in my life is the discipline of celebration, which once again, like Sabbath, it kind of feels funny, like that's a discipline. But I think it is, especially for those of us that, that have some sort of relationship with perfectionism. So I would love for both of you to celebrate you in this season. Like what, what is going on? What is God doing that you're just like, yeah, I need to stop and throw myself a little party here. <laughs> Goodness. The, uh, See, it's kind of hard, right? It is. I, you know, I think Ashley said this a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, acknowledging the fact that we are finding ourselves in this, this season of preparation. And sure, that sounds like work, but then also there, there is an excitement behind it mm-hmm. because God has opened doors that we didn't know were going to be open yeah. or were even possible to be open. You know, so for us in the physical, you know, it looks like, you know, she's currently in grad school. I'm starting in the fall. Yeah, I saw right? that. So, That's awesome. Um, You know, just this kind of celebrating the ways that we are kind of moving forward educationally. Yeah. Um, You know, I think sometimes we uh, – we don't give ourselves enough credit in mm-hmm. how how good our kids are. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. they're, they're really good kids, and we we love them. And yes, we're biased to them, but you know, they're great. When we, yeah, you know, when we've seen, especially you know, as our oldest son, he's a junior, so you know, we're you know now there's conversations already about like getting ready for his senior year. Oh my what, word! What like. ah. So kind of beginning this, beginning to acknowledge this process of celebrating him mm-hmm. um, and understanding his life that he was he was a preemie um and so just having that reflection of you know how god has has cared for him physically mm-hmm. um, seeing how his talents have matured right and so there's there's cause for celebration in that um but then also too i think there's celebration in our kids in the sense of um how they remind us of who we were and who we are. So yeah. our, so one of the twins, um, Kiefer, he's the oldest of the two. Jokingly, I will say this, is that he is my subconscious. And <laughs> because there, there uh-huh. are moments where, you know, like if he and I are hanging out, he will, I will have thought something. And I, and I kid you not, Carly, like two minutes later, he will say this. Oh my um, goodness. Um, when he was younger, um, he was he was a lot more slender. In fact, like when they were born, he was the smaller of the two. And so for the longest, like, like for the first couple of years, we were kind of looking at all four and then we're like, who does he look like? Who does he look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and we couldn't figure it out. Well, during the pandemic, he hit a growth spurt. And so he kind of got a little bit thicker, a little bit bulkier. And, you know, like I'll never forget, like he came down the stairs one day and he walked up and he said something to me. I'm like, oh, you're me. You, you are me. And so like as I you know, as we spend time with them and, and specifically with him, um, I I love like his sense of wonder. Mm. And it and it made me remember how I was like that too. And yeah. how, you know, you know, and Lord help us to continue to keep a sense of wonder in our lives. And so it's just funny to celebrate kids and how much they how much they take on our personalities. And it, yeah. it's fascinating. And yeah. I'm, I'm an only child, so it's really fascinating to watch all 
four of them. So I she, bet. She teases me because she's like, are you going to discipline them? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of watching this. <laughs> This is fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's a great (laughs) celebration. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What about you, Ashley? Well, first, you totally kind of glossed over this. Like, it's a celebration that you are stepping into this discipline of Sabbath. Like, I am proud of you for grasping that. I don't. Sure. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So it's good. It should be celebrated. (laughs) Yes. After this, go take one. You're on vacation. Love it. Oh, goodness. Um, Celebrating self. That's that's a tough one. Isn't it? I know. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, looking back over the semester, um, it has, you know, Ryan had mentioned um, stepping back into higher ed. Um, and so I, I, I have to say, like, I'm going to celebrate, like I made it through last semester, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which uh, felt a little bit hard, um, at least the last half of it. So, um, I'm celebrating another successful semester in this, this journey of preparation. Yes, Um, definitely. And, Mm -hmm. um, over the last few weeks, the holiday break, I felt like it's a celebration that we we're able to kind of just retreat as a family for a little Mm -hmm. while and, and enjoy each other. Um, in, in our family unit, played some great board games Ooh, and had some good fun. laughs. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm celebrating that, definitely. That's awesome. Okay, what was a favorite What was a favorite game over the holiday? So our kids got um, Uno, a couple of different versions of Uno. Mm-hmm. Um, one is called uh, Uno Flip, yeah, uh, something then, like that. Yeah, Uno Dare. But I have Ooh. to say the favorite we actually played at our friend's house, oh. and it was called Happy Salmon. Happy salmon? I've yes. never heard of this before. It's hilarious. And each round is like less than a minute and a half. So really? Okay. It is a game that all ages can play that just is hysterically fun. I've and never funny. heard of it, but and it loud. sounds so great. It's great. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, fun. Okay. Okay. We were playing. Have you guys played Chameleon? No. Ooh, that's another good one. Yeah. And kids can play it. And it's, yeah, it's it's pretty fun. You have to look at all these words and then one person doesn't know like what the clues are. So they're trying to listen to everybody else and try to blend in, but they are the chameleon. It's, it's really fun. Yeah. yeah. So Lulu was playing it with us too and she loved it. So yeah. Yes. Love holidays and games. It's yes. just the yes. best. Yeah. Yes. Tinsy too. We played Tinsy. Tinsy. Okay. Happy Salmon and Tinsy. I'm looking go. them up. We're game people. I love it. <laughs> Well, once again, thank you so much to Ryan and Ashley for being a part of these conversations here on the podcast. And I just want to say publicly, I am so thankful for Ryan and Ashley, grateful for who they are, the leaders that they are, the friends that they are, and the ways that they truly embody what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. So thank you so much, Ryan and Ashley. I appreciate you too, and I love you very much. Well, today I want to leave you with our 10 key takeaways from this conversation, as well as a prayer prompt. So here are our key takeaways. Number one, we are invited and called by God to approach these conversations about racial reconciliation with humble curiosity. Those are those are the words I, I feel like we are invited to embody, humble curiosity. Number two, we come together as we walk toward each other, as we build bridges, and no one is exempt from this work. Number three, 
Colorblindness is not the goal because colorblindness asks those who aren't in majority culture to lessen the things that are distinguishable about them in order to make those in majority culture more comfortable. I think it's important that we hear that and we remember the stories that Ryan and Ashley talked about. And that leads us to number four. Instead of being colorblind, we are called to be color brave, color caring, and color honoring. Number five, representation matters. And I encourage you to think about how this applies in your own life. If you're a leader, representation matters in your area of influence. If you're a parent, representation matters in what you're reading and watching with your kids. Representation matters in the voices that you personally are listening to, reading, and learning from as well. Representation matters. Number six, we should all be responsible to educate ourselves, pray about this, seek the Lord about this, and also do some self-examination as we're thinking about our learning and the parts that we have to play in this ministry of reconciliation. Number seven, as people of God, we are called to see the image of God in each and every person. Number eight, Ryan talked about how he has been really impacted by this understanding of the consistency of God. The sameness of God matters when our circumstances are not the same. Number nine. In talking about their schedule and the ways that they are trying to have healthy boundaries in their life, Ashley said, embrace the magnitude of the yes. I thought that was really, really good for us to think about what is the gravity of saying yes? What is the magnitude of that? And is it worth it in the big picture of our lives and what God is calling us to? Number 10. We are very conditioned to be ready to perform. So Sabbath and rest reminds us that our identity is not rooted in performance, but our identity is rooted in being loved by God. For today's prayer prompt, I want to walk us through a section in Acts chapter 10 that I was really impacted by a couple of years ago. In Acts chapter 10, there is a fairly well-known story about Peter and how Peter saw a vision from heaven and how he heard a voice say, don't call anything impure that God has made clean. That's in Acts chapter 10, verse 15. And this vision prompted Peter to go to Cornelius's house and obediently started sharing the good news of Jesus with Gentiles, people that Peter would not have wanted to connect with before. But the story actually begins earlier than that. The story begins, we actually read how God was working and preparing his heart as we read Acts chapter 10, verses 5 and 6. See, Peter in these verses was staying at Simon the Tanner's house outside of Joppa by the sea. And this is where Peter was staying. And, you know, it was on Simon's rooftop that he received this vision about going to Cornelius's house. And it's easy for us to kind of skim over this information, but it is significant. And here's why. Tanners were often shunned in ancient cultures. People often avoided them. 
I found on this website, wells.net, this quote that says this, quote, ancient zoning laws often put tanneries at the edge of town or beyond at a site dictated by the prevailing winds, end quote. So it was that horrible smell coming from tanneries that made the society want to stay away. And scholars believe that Simon was a Jewish man, but likely was ignored or considered an outsider because of his profession. Although being a tanner was not against Old Testament law, his work with dead animals made him, quote, dirty, smelly, and often ceremonially unclean. So by custom, tanners came to be treated as outcasts from polite society and were pushed to the fringes of Jewish religious life, end quote. And once again, that was from wells.net. So it's interesting then that Peter was staying with Simon. Peter did not necessarily go there because his home was by this beautiful resort by the water. (laughs) But Peter was there showing care to a Jewish man who was often cast aside by others. A quote from Dr. Richard Thompson out of his commentary on Acts says this, quote, Peter's stay with someone of marginal religious and social status may have helped prepare him for the next step in the Christian mission, end quote. Because Peter was willing to step out of his comfort zone to connect with Simon, he was more likely than to take that next step to go to Cornelius's house when God called. So with all of that said, I think we are all being invited to take a step, to take a step to connect with someone who may be different than us, someone who society has cast aside, someone who we may not necessarily understand. And I believe that God is inviting each of us to this week intentionally have a conversation, a conversation where we're ready to hear rather than be heard, but a conversation with someone who is different than us, someone of a different race, someone who may vote differently than you, someone with a different background or socioeconomic status than you. But I believe that God is inviting us to take this step so that the momentum can continue and we will then be more ready and willing to say yes to the next step in in reconciliation that God is inviting us into. Once again, Peter probably would have never donned the doorstep of Cornelius's house if he hadn't first gone to Simon's house. So this week, Let's go to Simon's house, whatever that means in our current context. Well, as we finish today, friends, if there's any way that I can cheer you on as you pursue wholeness in Jesus rather than trying to have it all together, let me know. You can reach out to me on Instagram at Carly Communicates. And I'd also love to encourage you through a weekly Bible study that I send every week, every Friday to my email list. You can sign up for that at carlycommunicates.com slash resources. Well, that's all for now, friends. I am excited to dive into Pantone Portraits with you next week. 